0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Alright, welcome everybody, welcome all our Torah Anytime uh, viewers. Tonight we are going to continue with Mashiach part 9. And uh, tonight is the most important topic of all our Mashiach series. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know if I say unfortunate or fortunate, people usually like to hear end of days or gog uh, what's going to be the destruction. But the real most important shi'ul that you need to listen to is this, because everything else is sort of, um, I don't want to say theoretical, but theoretical for your own essence. You cannot really do anything about it. Today is what you can do about it. So today what we're going to speak about is, um, the topic is like the spiritual survival kit. How will you survive the end of days? And this is not the way that you know you're going to build, like we were speaking about a, a you know a fortress of a nuclear you know resistant house or something like that. It's actually what can you do in the spiritual aspect of it that will guarantee you that you will be in the end of days in the time of Mashiach. So the. Um, there, there was a few things that, the way that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, present this tonight, Islat Hashem, is there were a few things that we spoke about in previous classes and like different, you know, aspects of it. Today we're going to sort of bring it all together. So for the first few minutes, we'll do a little bit of a review of what we spoke about previously, and then we're going to go on to uh, new things. The um, And we're going to go through a series of things, I don't know, maybe like eight, nine things of what you need to do um, before Mashiach comes in order to make sure that you're in the surviving part. And we know that we said that, the, you know, a third of the world is not going to make it, or the Mashiach, you know, the Jewish side, you're going to have a, you know, a fifth, hopefully everyone does Shuvah, and that's not going to happen to that, but we definitely want to make sure that we are in that aspect of it, it's going to be so miraculous, you don't, it's like not, you know, like, it's, it's not like a nice show that you don't want to miss, this is like, the purpose of the world's creation was for this, so you don't want to miss it. So now, uh, of the things that we spoke about, we said the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98, that said that if somebody wants to survive the end of days, the Gemara says two things that you have to do. Torah and Chesed. Uh, which is, you know, learning Torah and doing kindness. Uh, doing uh, Gemirot Chesedim. So... Uh we, we also mentioned how there's gonna be two powers that's gonna come at the end of days and those gonna be the two powers that are gonna be at war with each other, which is Ishmael and Edom, which is the Christianity world. So it's gonna be the Christian versus the Islamic world before they uh unite against uh Israel, unfortunately. So the um, what we spoke about Edom, its essence was arrogance. Adam was a very prideful, everything is about them, is arrogance, they have to be on the top. Yishmael, on the other hand, is very much into their desires and their pleasures. And that's what they strive for. So, we said that the reason, now, when these strong forces come into the world, these obviously impure forces, impure forces which means of arrogance, impure forces of desire, which, by the way, if you just look at what the world is going on, very strong in both aspects of it. Of pride, of arrogance, and of the opposite end of desire. Very, very strong right now, which shows you, like, you know, at the end of days, you know how, like, sometimes you're taking, um, you know, like, a metal detector, and as you get closer, it's like, beep, 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 you know, it gets, like, hot, 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 you know, the beeps are louder. Um, right now we're, like, you know, there's, like, a solid beep. We're, like, right on the end of times where there is, and that's why there is such a strong, uh, powerful urge for these two particular, um, uh, uh, sins, uh, one of pride and the other of desire. So, we spoke about this also. Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Haver explains it. It says that's why we have two, two particular things that we need to do. One is chesed and one is Torah. These, these two particular things come back these two uh, very bad desires of arrogance and uh, desi- and, and uh, immorality, of desire of, of uh, immoral things. So how does that work? Torah, we said that if somebody has a, de- a temptation to do a sin, what should he do? Go and bring the Satan to the Yitzhara. Go to the. I'm sorry, to the bet Middash. He should let him go and, and learn Torah. Because when a person goes and is overwhelmed with a certain desire to do, what he should do right away to overcome that desire is start learning. When you learn Torah, it's sort of like takes the, the, the Yetzirah away. And this is the Kedushin, I believe it was page 30, which is, Barati Yetzirah, Barati Torah Tavlin. I created the evil inclination and I created the Torah as its antidote. You want to get rid of the evil inclination? You got the Torah. The Torah combats it. As the, the opposite end was, um, so that will take care of Ishmael That will take care of the desire of the arrogance of the. I'm sorry, not the, of the desire, not the arrogance. The arrogance is, which is the Edom. This is going to be through Chesed. We spoke about it before. That when you give for somebody else, when you do Chesed for somebody else, you're really lowering yourself. You're 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 saying, okay, let me put myself on hold. Let me help someone else. When you're helping someone else, that is um, that is the Chesed, and that is combating the the arrogance. Now. We're going to plug in a few more things. You know, when we spoke about, the, I think it was class number two and class number three on Mashiach, we spoke about what's going to be in the end of days. And there's few certain criteria how you know it's going to be in the end of days. I'm just going to go through a few of them very quickly. I'm not going to go into in depth like we went before, but how you could see that, that these two strong desires of pride and arrogance from Edom and the desire of immorality from Ishmael, how they come into play and these are the signs of the end of days. So we said, I'm not going to give all the sources because it's going to take us too long. But a majority of the sources from Gemara Sanhedrin page ninety seven, and also the Gemara in Sota page forty nine. But it says like this: It says uh, regarding arrogance, it said that at the end of days is going to be the people are going to resemble like dogs. And the Gemara in Be'am in page twenty five, it says like this: says that um, that the dog is a very stubborn, very stubborn animal, a very very stubborn animal. We have a big tzaddik, uh, a big tzaddik to be. So um, the 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 dog is a very, very stubborn animal. Anybody here have dogs? Okay. So, um, the, but they're, they're very, like, you can't tell them, wait. You know, like, it's, it's, everything's about me right now. And then this is what has to be done. The next thing, it says that the youth will shame the elders. The chutzpah is going to go out. The chutzpah, this is chutzpah, the youth shay, shay, uh, shaming the elders. This is all going to be what? This is all going to be the increase of arrogance in the end of days. We also had that there's not going to be any rebuke. Why can't you rebuke somebody nowadays? You have to be careful if you want to rebuke somebody. Whew, you got to have boxing gloves and, and body armor if you're going to tell somebody he's doing something wrong. So the why is it because their arrogance, their pride is so strong that you know they can't they they can't even they can't even accept it. This is um, you know the uh, one of, we, we we spoke about this when we spoke about um, one of the marriage topics. One of the worst character traits to have in a relationship is pride, is arrogance. Because you're going to be like, you know, why should I apologize? Let her apologize first. And she's going to be like, let's see, she also has, uh, you know, arrogance. Why should I apologize? He did something wrong, and he did something wrong. At the end, nobody's nobody's ever satisfied. Everybody's always upset, and no one ever's apologizing. Two um, two people that have a lot of pride and arrogance, they have a very very difficult marriage, very difficult marriage. So the um, so so the the Edom which resembles pride, this is what's going to happen at this. We see how these things, these are the signs that happen in the, the days because pride is going to be so strong. The next thing that we spoke about is the temptation to sin, the desires for immorality. So, the uh, we we mentioned that there is going to be and uh, the wine will be exp- expensive, right? And we mentioned also this is not because it's not going to be because there's not going to be enough wine. There's, not, you know, usually there's supply and demand, which means there's not enough supply. So that's why you'll be able to you know raise the prices. No, there's, there's plenty of supply, but yet we see every block there's another liquor store. It's ridiculous. If you look at it every, sometimes there's two, one across the street from another. So you got for you don't have to cross the street to buy your alcohol. It's ridiculous on how much liquor stores there are. And they, these liquor stores, I guess Baal you know, they're doing good. You know, I guess they're doing very well. Why? It's, it's people, you know, enjoy it. People like it and there's, there's a, there's a big uh, demand for it. And what's interesting is, is that the prices are still going up and people are still buying it. Anybody who's, you know, knows that we spoke about this in the scotch knows that these, these prices are keep on rising and that it's not like the demand is going down. Okay, or the supply is going down. Next, we also said that the the people's faces are going to resemble like dogs. What are whatever we mean by resembles like dogs? Dogs are. Uh, we spoke before also regarding the pride, but regarding the desire, dogs are, their noses are always down. They're always smelling into on into the the world, which means is that their whole focus in life is only into this materialistic world, and that's why unfortunately many people have um, over here. So how do you get rid of? these desires into these world, the temptations that we have into this world. We also said there's going to be meeting places for tree. You know, there's going to be terrible, there's nut, the promiscuity is going to be rampant. So, how do you get rid of these things? We said the Torah. And the Torah, by the way, the Torah, it says that, um, this is the, it brings in the Zohar, it brings the the Vilnagon, also the, uh, brings it down, that the, the, the merit that we're going to have to redemption is going to be through Torah study. That is one of the main things that we have to do, is through Torah study. So, the... Um, you know, it's it's interesting when you think about you know when the Torah was given to the Jewish uh, people. Before it was given to the Jewish people, it was offered to everybody else, right? It went, to, for example, it went. To, and this is by the way, if anybody wants to look inside, it's a Shemoni on Devarim, chapter thirty-three. He goes to Esav. God goes to Esav and says, uh, the archangel Archangel of Esav. He says, Listen, you want the Torah? It depends. You know, you want, before you get something, before you want to buy something, even if you're getting it free, depending what it is, what is it, what's inside it? I want to know before I get myself into it. So, what do they? What do they tell Esav? It says that you're not allowed to you're not allowed to murder. So you're not allowed to murder. So they said, you know, and they said, listen, murder, this is our essence. This is who we are. And in fact, we know that the the Torah says in Genesis chapter 27, verse 22, it says, His his thing is on his hands. We know also in Genesis chapter 27, verse 40, His father, Yitzchak, gave him assurance regarding that this is how he's going to live. He's going to live on his sword. So this is our essence is murder. Our essence is that we're going to take now a Torah that we, we can't do it. No, you know, thank you, but no thank you. And they turned it down. Amon Moab, What did they say about Amon and Moab? They said, uh, what's in the Torah also? They asked him. So he said, uh, you know, you're not to commit uh, adultery, immorality. He says, listen, you know, this is kind of the thing that we do. Uh, you know, we can't really, uh, you know, you know. And they said, no thank you, but no thank you. He went to Shema, and said, no, 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 the- no stealing. He says, "Ah, listen. This is what we need to do. This is also what we are. We know Hamas. You know, we're all about the you know getting things that we that don't belong to us. So the um, they said they turned it. They turned everything down. But what I want to focus on is particularly was Esab. Esab said no about because we do we murder. Now, what's the essence of murder? Why particularly do they have a drive to murder? And that is the reason is is that." The the foundation of it is is that I'm only an existence and nobody else. Nobody else matters because it's only about me. Which means that its essence is pride. And we know a lot of you know generally speaking, a lot of murder happens because of pride. Um, how many we spoke about road rage? How many road rage uh, murders are there in the in the world? That you probably have the statistics better than I do. A lot of things that 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 are are done is a lot of it because of pride. It is, it, and even if it's because of jealousy, that's also an association with pride. If you look into the depth of the foundation of murder, it's very, very strongly founded in arrogance, in pride. Um, so, Rav Dessler explains something beautiful as follows. says there's, there's, um, you know, there's two negative traits that you, that, uh, that are, they have the foundation. Number one is desire, and number, the other one is pride. Now, what is the difference between desire and pride? When you have desire, Desire. Um, let's give an example. Let's try to be kosher. Will be a good example of food. You have a desire to eat something really good, a tasty steak. You go to what's the most expensive restaurant in the city? That steakhouse. Um, Prime reserve card. reserve card. Thank you. You go to reserve card. You order like a nice two hundred fifty dollars steak, and uh, you know your mouth is watering. You've been you know you've been thinking about this for an entire week, and you get there and the steak is coming. It's delicious, and you eat the entire thing up, and you wait there for a minute or two. And you're like, you know what? Give me another one. That like, you know, just, it's so good, another one. Eventually, you'll eat two. Maybe if you go, if you have a big stomach, you'll eat three. What's going to be eventually? Eventually, you're going to be sick of it. You're not going to be able, and for, you know, generally Americans, you know, after you're really stuffed, we have about a half hour until we get hungry again. Right? So you have that half hour of time where you're like, all right, you know, no more steak. I can't, I can't even look at it. So... During that period of time, you could sort of think and be like, oh man, what did I just do? You know, especially if you're trying to watch your weight and this, you know, like, you, you feel bad for a second because the desire was satisfied and you have a sort of a break until the desire comes back again. That is desire. Desire, there's a break for it and then the, it gets, it gets, uh, you know, rejuvenated when, when sort of, you know, a short while later. Pride is, doesn't happen that way. Pride, there is, you never get satisfied with pride. You never feel like you have enough honor. You never feel like you got enough. The biggest proof for this is and i may be wrong about this but i always wondered why trump ran for president i really did i'm like i'm like he has money he has even he has pride he's popular everybody knows him he has his brand name you know he did a good job you know you know putting his name out there oh. so what yeah exactly what what other reason is there i know it's funny because it's it's you know he he brings it down how he asked um he was giving an interview and he was like he's like you know It's harder than I thought it was or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing like running the I'm like, yeah, you're not running a fortune 500 company. You're running a, you know, you're you're running an entire country. One of the most powerful of the world, you know, obviously it's going to be difficult. So why did he go into it? It's like, it's like a lot of work and a lot of stress. And the answer is at least one part of an answer. It could be many other reasons. But one answer is, come on, you're, you're, you're going to become the most powerful person in the entire world. Very hard to, um you know, to, to take it down that type of, of, you know, uh, if you're someone who strives for honor. But the difference is honor, you can never have enough. And you can never be like, you get so much honor at one point in time, you'd be like, you know what? so good. I got so much honor. I'm good for like a half hour. You don't. It just keeps on like, okay, why didn't more people? Why didn't you reach out to more? And then more and more and more. Now, why is it two different? Number one, because desire, it's essence of desire is what? Its foundation is in the materialistic world. Honor is something more in the spiritual, in the spiritual realm of it uh, of things. Spiritual spirituality never gets satisfied. There's always more to accomplish. In the materialistic world, there's a certain point in time, no matter whatever desire it is, any sin that it is, whether it's drugs, woman, doesn't matter what it is. There's a certain point where we're like, you know what? I need a break. It might be a half hour, but still you need a break. So, that is the difference. Now, if you look at it, the way that the, we had uh, two exiles, two main exiles, um, what I'm referring to is actually, it's four exiles, but in particular, the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. How did it work? The the first destruction of the Bet HaMikdash lasted only for 70 years. The second one we know was ready for like, almost 2,000 years. So what's going on? The, first Bet HaMikdash was destroyed for immorality, idolatry, and murder. Three things. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, you know, in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, in page 63, it says, you know what its foundation was? Its foundation was really desire. Why was it desire? Because you think about idolatry. What was the the desire for idolatry? The Gemara says that one of the reasons that they did idolatry is because it gave them permission to act promiscuous. Uh, There's many weird cults that why do these cults start in existence? Because... You know, okay, you want to come to this cult? You have to do this, like, crazy, weird, you know, immoral acts. And kind of people like those immoral acts. So now they don't feel bad. They're like, okay, it's part of God's plan, and this is how we get into it. You know, we have to get into this demonic, whatever it is that they're doing. So it gets them the permission to do whatever it is that they wanted to do with a little bit of, of less guilt than they would normally have. So that is why they committed, you know, idolatry. And then how did they commit murder during the first uh, Bethany Dash? Because people that tried to stop them from committing their, their desires, they want, so they murdered them. So we see over here the whole foundation of it was a foundation of, of desire. Now what do we say about desire? When a certain amount, when your desire has been fulfilled, you're sort of, you know, you have a minute to think for a second. And once you have a minute to think, you're like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I messed up, maybe I should do tshuva. So you have that opportunity to do chuvah. That's why the first the first destruction of the Beit only lasted for 70 years. Why? Because they had the ability to stop for a second and be like, okay, wait, you know, we're doing something wrong over here. And then the tshuva came afterwards. As opposed to, we know, that the second Beit the destruction was what? Because of sinat chinam, baseless hatred. Baseless hatred is based off pride. I'm better than you, and that's why you start, you know, disliking other people. So when you're having this this arrogance, this pride, because you're chasing your own honor, you're never satisfied. If you're never satisfied, you never stop for a second and be like, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Because you only think about yourself. Hence, of destruction is still in existence. And that's why, when we had, when the nations that dominated the Jewish people, for example, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, and Ishmael, their, their focus is desire. So their, their, um, you know, their occupation over the Jewish nation was short-lived. However, Edom, which is foundation, is based off pride, the foundation is everlasting, is, is, not everlasting, but it's lasting a really long time. So, this is what we have to uh, deal with. Now, I saw something beautiful. The Baal Shem Tov says like this. It says that, uh, before a person gets, this is, by the way, this is important that you came just to listen for this, for this aspect of it. Before you get a big promotion in life, you get tested. Says the Baal Shem Tov. And it's gonna be either one of two, two tests. Most likely. What are gonna be a test? Either it's gonna be a test of anger, or it's gonna be a test of desire. Now, why particularly those two things? Because those two things, if you realize, if you get a test of anger, or if somebody's about to get angry, what happens? His whole body becomes hot. You know, you get like you could be freezing but if you get angry if someone cuts you off and you're driving and you have that road rage uh, situation going on you like like doesn't matter if it's freezing you're like boiling you're you're going to your shorts and you're outside you're fuming whatever it is that happens someone uh, you know give you a fender bender and you know you're not working on your your uh, humility you know so you're coming you're fuming over there but it's not just one part of your body your whole body gets infused with it Desire also works the same way. When you're doing a, a sin, your whole body becomes infused. With for, for these two sins, if you think about it, you become a little bit of a different person. You like mutate into, some, into something else. Um, but if you overcome this, then you know you have, an, you have a, 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 a promotion coming. This is something that someone should think about. It's a good way to overcome it. Because if someone is about to get angry, and be like, you know, hold on. Because imagine, you know, you're about to get tested and you're, you need, you need, you know, you're going to get a big promotion. I'm not talking about a big promotion from your boss. In life. A big promotion in life goes a lot further than a big promotion in the boss. It could be in monetary, it could be finding a wife, it could be showing a it could be kids, it could be whatever it is. So when you're about to get angry, you would be like, you know what? Hold on, this might be a test. Well, it's for sure a test. But if you think about it, you would be like, you know what? Maybe I'll get a big promotion out of this. It's much easier to overcome. And again, even this is easier said than done because when you're about to get angry, you know all common sense goes right out the window. There's like nothing, you know, especially if you come from one of those, you know, hot-headed, you know, Islamic countries where if the woman doesn't give you the, you know, the supper, she will feel the wrath of my uh, back of my ring. So, um, but but in all in all essence, if you're able to overcome it, there is a big promotion that's coming. Now, Rav Tzadik says like this. He says that what happens if someone gets pride, has yeah, because of his pride, I'm sorry, he gets uh, this uh, this uh, immediate need to become angry, and he overcomes it. What bracha does he get? Says He and he gets a bracha of panasa of money. And he says, what about desire? What about if somebody's really desiring for immor- immoral things? And he overcomes it, what bracha does he get? He gets a bracha of protection, shmirah. Now, this is where I'm going to start plugging in things. This is my own, so I may be wrong. It's my own chidush, but I think it works in so beautifully. So we said pride, pride gives you panasam money. What do we say pride stems from? From Edom. Edom. Now, Edom, in order to overcome with Edom, what do you need? You need to do gemilut chasadim. You need to do uh, um, kindness. Now, how can you do kindness? If you have a lot of money, you can do more kindness. The more money that you have, the more kindness that you have. However, at the same point in time, if you think about it, the more money you have, the more arrogance you have also. So you get tested with the same thing that you need to overcome. So now, if you want to go and you want to overcome Edom, so you have to go, you have to overcome the pride. What happens when you overcome the pride? You get a bacha panasah. You get a bacha panasah, you can be able to go and give, do more chesed. And this is the, the baha that you get. Now let's look at the other one, the shmirah, protection. We know in Ishmael, the desire, the one thing that you need to do to get rid of the desire is the, uh, you, know, you learn Torah. And in order to get out of the, um, out of the, the whole immoral aspect of it. Now, if you're able to hold yourself back, what bacha do we say you get? You get protection. We know one of the main things that we need from Ishmael, is protection, because those people are, you know, they are, you know, who would want to kill themselves just to perhaps maybe, you know, injure somebody, a, you know, a soldier. Somebody sent me a video um, um, a few days ago. Yeah, a few days ago. Ridiculous. It was a video, a music video, on how they are going to, and the ridiculous thing, it was in Hebrew, it was by an Arab media. We're going to stab the Jewish men. We're going to stab the Israeli policemen. And they, it was like all rhyme in the, and like you see like gory with like blood f- falling out. And this is what like, you know, like, yeah, you know, Palestinian media. Oh, why not? Come on. We're the bad people. Fools, liberals. Okay. All right. I'm going to warn you. I have a lot boiling up. I might We might uh, we might go off the end to today. Okay. So, anyways. That, so that is the aspect of that. Now let's move on to the next thing. The next thing we spoke, we, we said that if you want to go, so we said right now, we, we sort of uh, went a little bit on a lengthy uh, tangent, but two things that you need to do to be saved in the end of days uh, until we're up to right now is Torah and Gimilut Chasadim. That's what you have to That's what you have to do. Now the other thing that you need to do is also, is Emunah. We spoke about this also. You have to, we said, we spoke about this, that we, if you, anybody here heard the class on Gog and Magog, the test is going to be a serious test of faith. Now, I put out, you know, when, in the class, I said if people could see, you know, send me, um, you know, information on whoever, you know, because I, I remember there was this big rabbi that said it. So, you know, who particularly said that the test at the end of days should be a test of faith? So, bocha Hashem, I got so many responses. But one of the most recent ones that I got is, and, and it's from, it's brought down like this, I want to, I want to, I'll actually read it to you, a small paragraph. What is the mitzvah of our generation, Rabbi David Abu grandson, I believe, of the Baba Salim? Ask Rav Steinman, Gadol Adol, and in Rav Steinman answer, it is to strengthen ourselves very much in faith and trust in God alone, and not in the people, which is Emuna, which means Rav Steinman. And this, is, by the way, this is what I was looking for all along. Came in the last one. The last one that came in was that Rav Steinman. But we we had uh, you know Rav Chaim literally like all the Gadol Adol said. What do you need to work on at the end of days? Is Emuna. This is the foundation. So we need to know. So this is number three already. We got Torah, Chesed, and now Emunah. The um, the, just an uh, honorable mention we spoke about in the elevap that you have to do things for the right reasons. You know, unfortunately, which is the, the, the doing things Lishma, for, right, for the sake of the right reasons. There are unfortunately many people, when they become a tshuva, they become religious. Why do they become religious? You know, they want to find a Shiduch. Uh, they want Panasa. You know, they want, they're doing things. And by the way, keep on doing it. If that's the reason that you're in, keep on doing it. But know that the main reason you should be doing it is not for those reasons. It should be for God, and for God alone, and to get closer to God. So the... Fourth thing is to do things for the right reasons. The fifth thing is very important is Shabbat. The Gemara the, Yerushalmi in Tanit says that if, you, if the Jewish nation will keep just one Shabbat properly, Meshach will come immediately. Which means that the whole Jewish nation will just keep one Shabbat. The whole, imagine if you're going there and it just so happens to be that everybody kept Shabbat. Some of them could, some people by the way keep Shabbat by accident. You know, they're, they're on vacation and they're just like whatever. They're just lazy. They don't just, you know, they're not interested with the phone and they just keep Shabbat. And imagine the whole world keeps Shabbat except for you, one person, one person. Does, imagine like the Mashiach was going to come, and you prevented it. Imagine what a, what a, what a, what a person. And that's how you should think about. It. Don't think about. Well, I know somebody's texting me, so I know they're not me Shabbat, so I'm okay. You know, don't don't think about it like that. The and then <clears throat> this is the final part that I want. I want to um, not the final part, but the one the one the main focus I want to speak about today. B'zachar is the focus of tshuva, the focus of tshuva. The Yerushalmi the Gemara Yerushalmi in Tanit says and the Zohar as well says what thing prevents redemption? the lack of tshuva all Hashem asks is return to Hashem and the redemption is going to come now we're going to be speaking about tshuva the I have to have a few um, pre you know discussions before it goes like that and I'll give I'll speak like this whenever I speak let's say about marriage stuff I always get it, like, you know who needs to listen to this class? My husband. You know, you know, or you know who needs it? My wife. Oh, she has such pride. You know, like, oh, she's terrible. You know, so materialistic. I'm telling you, she needs to listen to the class. So when people, unfortunately, when they listen to classes, sometimes they think about, you know who really needs to listen to this? I know who really needs to listen. Don't think about that. Right, for right now, you have to think about it right now for yourself. We're going to be speaking about for tshuva. You and you alone is what you're focusing on. Afterwards, is who you're going to send the shield to. Right, go and share with everybody. That's, that, which is very important. You go and share and get the, get the reward for it. But, the main thing is when you're learning, when you're learning a tshuva, don't think about it. You know who really needs to listen to this? You know who really needs it? You need to listen to this. And you need to do it. We all need to do Chuvah. So, think about yourself. That's what we, that's the, that's the main focus right now. So now, the, the Gemara says like this. The says, "How is the world going to be in the end of days? Mashiach is going to come. How is going to world going to be?" So it's a machloket between Rav and Shmuel. Shmuel says it can be a very normal world. Rav says it can be a completely different world. Obviously, two very different. You know, this is you're talking about diametric opposite poles of the you know of the equation over here. It can't be the same. Says Arizal, they're both right. How's Arizal explain it? He goes, "No, it's fine. He's learning. He's learning to live well with all of us. So you know, he's darchening. He's getting used to it." So the um, Arizal says like this. The Arizal says that it depends how you live your life in this world. If you live your life in a very physical aspect being, which unfortunately you know many of us are are very into, the very physical aspect of things, then in the next world it's going to be a completely normal world. But if you focus on the spiritual aspect of things in this world, then in the next world, which means when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a completely different world. And to explain it, there's a pasuk. The pasuk in Isaiah. In chapter 11, verse 9, it says, The world, the entire land will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. How? Says the Pasuk. Like the water is covering the, the bed of the, of the sea. Now, it's very interesting because when you go to the ocean, the ocean looks flat. However, you know, if you're walking into the ocean, it you know, slowly it's a, and suddenly you can have a drop of like, you know, 100 feet. You can but it looks flat on top. So everything looks normal. Uh, you know, if you, you're familiar with one, these are very cool, um you know, ideas, you call the blue hole. Anybody here familiar with the blue hole? Anybody here big into scuba diving, fishing? No, all those things. Okay. So, there's, um there's, um I've been once to these, uh, you know, to this thing years ago. I went, um, and I, you know, being that I'm going to be speaking about this, I have to actually obviously preface it, that obviously if you're going to these places, it has to be kosher, modesty is a very big issue with that. A particular thing that I went to was, it was like a completely like, it was just me, you know, there and whoever I was with, you know, the group that I was in. So, um, when you're going to these type of things, modesty is extremely, extremely important when you're doing these things. So, I went to this thing, it was like, it was a blue hole, um, and the way that it works is, so you go, Either you're doing scuba diving or you're doing uh, snorkeling, and you're so so as you go out, there is about um, you know three feet of of the ground for like maybe two hundred feet. Two hundred feet, you're you're swimming in the depth of about three feet, and you see the fish, you see corals, you see reefs, you see it's beautiful, you see Hashem's creation. And then all of a sudden, you pass by you know this little thing, and suddenly it drops down to like two hundred feet, like from not like slowly from like. From like, a, um, you know, you're talking about from like one foot to the next is just a steep drop. And it's very interesting because when you're, when you're swimming like that, you know, you're swimming and you see a big drop. You're suddenly like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall in. But like, you can't. But this is the thought that, I, and the, you know, the people that I with, they had to go back because they were scared that they were going to fall in. Like it's that psychologically. And it's really cool because if you look at it from an aerial view, you see like nice clear water. And all of a sudden you see like a, bl- a blue hole, like a very solid blue hole. So you see all of a sudden there's different levels of the sea. And so, in, in the same aspect, it depends on your ability to see things. If you're able to go and go under, under the water, you're able to see very far down. But if you're looking for right above, you see just just the surface. So the same way, just like the water covers the entire uh, the seabed, and there is different levels and different layers that you're able to see under it. You're depending on your perception. Think of it even like imagine they create this um, this cool new technology that you could see underwater, um, which means you can see underwater from the top of the water. The stronger the frequency, the more further down that you can see sort of like sonar if you could think about it. So if you delve into this world into the into the spiritual side, you'll have that sonar ability to see deep down, which means is this world, it's going to look the same, but it's going to be completely different and you're going to be perceptive to that aspect of it. As opposed to if you're very focused on the physical aspects of things, then you're going to see it's like a regular it's just just flat, it's a flat flat ocean. You can't see anything different. So now, the um, the idea that we have to focus on, I heard this from uh, Rabbi Kiva Tatz. explained it beautifully. He says, what is the purpose of the whole messianic era? Like, why do we need it? What is the main purpose of these things? So, he explains as follows. And he explains this all based off the Maral. The Maral says like this. Um, first of all, the question is, we have to understand, is there going to be free will? We'll, we'll touch upon this in later classes. But in the end of the days, is there going to be free will? So it's going to be, there is going to be a sort of aspect of free will, but not really fully. For example, um, it's going to be like a free will, like the angels have it. Uh, to give you an example, um, how the angels have free will there, there's a fire in front of you, right? And are you able to burn yourself in the fire? I mean, you could, you know, if you're crazy and you want to, you could force your hand to be there. I mean, you wouldn't want to do it because it would be stupid. Why would you want to burn your hand? But you technically you could. So, that type of free will where, like, I could burn my hand, but I don't really want to, and it's not really a temptation, like, oh, you know, I re- I'm assuming that you're psychologically stable, you know, it's not really a temptation, so you're not going to be like, oh, you know, I really want to do it, you know, so, so, that's the type of free will that you're going to have at the end of the days, everything's going to be clear, it's not going to be a temptation to sin, it's going to be like, no, like, why would I do that, it's stupid, I, it doesn't make any sense, so, that's, the, that's the, the idea so if that's the idea then what is the purpose of it what, how do we get reward so explain the matter how beautifully like this. that right now when we want to develop ourselves right? you want to work on your pride you want to work on your you know, um, on, on your learning of your Torah your, you know, whatever it is that you're working on your own personal things and you're limited by how you can work on it you know you have a job you're working you're this and you're that you have a certain time that you're able to learn Torah you, you don't have the time the ability to fully focus and build on these things and at the end of the days in the messianic era you will be able to have the capability to maximize the potentials of things that you wanted to work on. But there's a catch. You can only work on things that you started working on beforehand. Which means is, is that something that you started working on now, you'll be able to, to, to maximize and complete in the end of, uh, in, you know, in the messianic era. If you didn't, you're done. You're not going to be able to do that. To explain it, explain it like this, there is um, the six days of creation. The six days of creation is uh, comparable to the six days of the week. God created the, the the you know the world in, in uh, seven days, but it was six days of actual work. So we work for six days. The seventh day, Hashem rested. The seventh day, we rest Shabbat. So the um, the idea behind it is six days creation and work, seventh day Shabbat. What about Yom Tov? We're comparing all these things. What happened to Yom Tov? So Yom Tov is going to be is comparable to the Messianic era. If you're you know Yom Tov, you're able to do things more than you than, than Shabbat. For example, you're able to cook. However, you have to be smart. You have to put a fire beforehand. So you have to prepare beforehand to be able to do stuff on Yom Tov. You have to do a you know. So there's certain things that you need to do to be able to make your, help yourself uh, work on the um, on Yom Tov. The same way in the Messianic era, you want to you, you want to be able to maximize the potential to great the, to, to you know to achieve the greatest eternal pleasure possible. You have to start working about it now. You have to prepare just like you prepare for for a Yom Tov. That's clear. That has to be abundantly clear. Which means is that if you're not work <coughs> if you're not working on yourself, come on, eat for this sir. If you're not working on yourself now, you cannot work on yourself then. It's not like, you know, like, okay, you know, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, thank you very much. And all of a sudden, Mashiach comes and be like, all right, you know, I guess I'll keep Shabbat now. It doesn't work that way. You have to go and you have to work around v- beforehand. You have to build yourself there beforehand. So when the time comes, you'll be able to continue building it uh, um, by then. The, um, and, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate because people say, you know what, I'll worry about Shuvah later. Shuvah is going to happen. By hook or by crook, we spoke about this very, but it's worth it. It's going to happen. You're going to do repentance. The Gemara in Sanhedrin brings it down in ninety seven. Says that if you're not going to do tshuva, God is going to send somebody to make you do tshuva. We spoke about before the good cop, bad cop. So it's going to happen. I want to read with you what the Chafetz Chaim wrote. Chafetz Chaim, uh, I'm going to read with you a paragraph. This is a letter that he wrote, and he goes like this: "Behold, from the Chafetz Chaim, the Radin, a big tzaddik, you know, passed away in the nineteen thirties, I believe. Behold, my brothers and friends." We see that the attribute of strict judgment has increased tremendously in the world. There is no day that we don't hear of, of horrible, frightening events. We must believe that this is a warning from Hashem for us to repent. Who knows what the next day will bring? The longer we tarry, the more heavily, heavenly anger will be meted out on, in, in our world. Any person whose heart is filled with awe of Hashem, must take a position of leadership to clarify to the simple Jews the great obligation we all have to repent. Perhaps Hashem's anger will abate. If we refuse to repent, the Chafetz Chaim continues, we will be, we will be brought to reckoning for the delay on each and every day. For one who writes with a broken heart from the tribulations of Am Yisrael the anticipation, and, and anticipates salvation, Yisrael Meir HaKon Mirabin. This is the Chafetz Chaim wrote, you know, what is it, like 80 years ago. I don't know, maybe maybe seventy years ago. If what he wrote it back then, you know the trouble. We look at it today. Not a day goes by when you open up the news and there's something else that, that that you know that we have to worry about. So this is something that we have to do. And what do we? How do we get rid of this? Very simple. It is chuva. There's you know, and it's very unfortunate because many people that are, you know when during these bad things happen, they don't focus on chuva. and they think that it's just going to go away and it'll just happen by chance. You know, uh, one of those. Um, what's the worst word that you could use Um, um, not accidental coincidence Coincidence. yeah thank you coincidence everything is coincidence no such thing as coincidence if you think of coincidence you're you're burying yourself why would you do that the problems are just going to become more and more uh, severe this is why you know when you ask people about uh, the holocaust if I ask you give me two words about the holocaust most people will say never again those are the two words that come into mind what do you mean never again like oh we're never going to go through that again I'm like, who are you to stop it? Like, you know, like, you know, good, it should never happen again. But like, like, that's not, that's not how we're going to stop it. We're going to stop it by not doing things that should merit us to go into that, into that situation again, by doing chew out. The, um, you know, the, when, when, uh, there was, you know, a crazy amount of terrorist attacks. So what some, uh, people wanted to do, um, was to, you know, the, the Muslims, if, um, If they, like like pig for Islam is a very big no-no. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if you get like buried in pig or something like that, or near a pig or something along those lines, you don't get into heaven. So what they wanted to do is they wanted if you know because if if let's say a um, an Islamic person goes and commits a uh, you know a terrorist attack and he gets killed, they don't bring the body back to you know Palestine and be like okay listen go do whatever you want because then they're going to make it into they're going to have a special martyr cemetery or they're going to you know create so they bury it in an undisclosed location. Now, imagine so what they want to do is like any make a new law. Anybody who commits a terrorist attack gets wrapped up in pig fat and gets buried inside. This way, the terrorists are going to be like, listen, you know, we're going to go. We're going to blow ourselves up, But, you know, we're going to get the whatever they think they're going to get. The 70 virgins, the 72 virgins, whatever they think that they're getting up there. But then they're not going to be able to because they're going to be covered in pig fat. So maybe they won't do it. Or some of them are even said to take all the bullets and coat it in, in pig fat. So this way, when you shoot them, they're going to be already. Uh, uh, blow. I'm like, you really think that's what's happening? People are thinking like that. Be like, don't miss the whole, the whole thing. What is this happening? This is happening because we have to fix something going on with us. Not because, uh, granted, we have to protect ourselves. We should. But that shouldn't be your main focus. The main focus should be what are we doing that that God is sending us these messages. Everything happens for a reason, everything happens for a purpose. And if we don't wake up for that reason or that purpose, the reason is gonna get louder and bigger and closer. So the the you know the the there was once a story where there was a guy who was very close to the king. And one day he did something really bad. Like 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 serious, like oh you know, very, very bad for the king whatever imagination you want to use you can use it so uh, he goes and the king was so distraught from this he says you know what off with his head he was so close to the king and as they were about to put the noose over his neck he said listen you know he was always there for me whenever I needed him he was such a good guy Take the noose off. You know, we're going to throw him in a dungeon. You know, like really serious stuff. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's going to be like a three by three dungeon. You know, he's not even going to have a bed. He's going to have to like, you know, go to the bathroom in a corner. There's not going to be Wi-Fi. You know, like crazy stuff. So, um, and they decide to put him in the most serious, serious thing. And he goes and he puts him in the most serious uh, conditions. And then, you know, every day, he's crying to the guards, he says, you know, please, beg, I beg the king for forgiveness, I know I did something so wrong, I did something terrible, please give him the message, and every day the guard will be like, you know, the guy doesn't stop crying and apologizing and repenting for what he did. The king felt good to hear this. After about a few weeks of him every day repenting non-stop, the king says, you know what, I feel bad, I really like him, it seems like he's really, you know, really felt bad, he really did chuba on what he did. He says, you know, I'm not going to let him out yet, because he did something really bad, but... Let, let's give him better better conditions, you know. Let him go, you know, house arrest or whatever it is. You know, get some Wi Fi, get some a bigger place. He's able to go to a real bathroom, get food delivered. You know, puts him on a, a television, the real cable. I mean, on uh, basic cable, not the this crazy stuff. He's not wanted to spoil him. So um, obviously the guy's not Jewish. So uh, he goes and um, he sits over there in this in this upgraded uh, upgraded facility. And the king every day, you know, doesn't hear the guard coming, giving him any more messages. So he says, "What's going on with the guys? You know, is he still, you know, asking for forgiveness? He says, "No, it doesn't bother him. He's very comfortable. You know, his guys got food. Just, you know, some people, prison is more comfortable than, than life outside. You don't got to work. You know, you got to, you know, you get to go play in the yard every so often. You, you go do your workouts. You go, you know, you get build, get a college degree. You know, get heat, TV, food. What is there to complain? He wasn't complaining anymore." So the king, after a few weeks, saw that this guy never once said, I'm sorry, anything else, or anything he did. He says, What is happening over here? He thinks he's all, he's all finished with, the, with all his apologies, with all his repentance. Put him back into the, into the three foot uh, cell. Take away his Wi Fi, take away everything. And he, he goes to put back, and what happens? All of a sudden he starts crying again. Please, God, please, you know, please, King, you know, I forgive you, I forget, you know, please forgive me, I've been, you know, sinned so terribly against you. And the king says, ah, this is what I wanted to hear. Similarly, the way, you know, God works. God goes, and, and unfortunately, when do people start becoming, think about becoming more religious, coming more closer to God? Not always, but unfortunately, very commonly, when bad things happen. And all of a sudden, bad things come, happen, and they'll be like, okay, you know what, God, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, what do you want? And, they, and they're coming, and they're becoming religious, becoming religious, becoming religious, and then their life starts becoming better. And all of a sudden, they start like, you know all right, you know, it's cool. You know, this guy starts start chilling out again with the old friends and hanging out with the doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden, God says, what happened? You don't ask for forgiveness anymore. You didn't, your tshuva is not complete. And he goes, so then again, more problems come. So it's a cycle. But every time the problems come, we're supposed to wake up and be like, okay, listen, there's a reason why something is happening. Let us do tshuva. And if you don't do that, the problems get stronger and stronger and stronger. The same idea. So what we need to do is we need to do tshuva. And Rebbe Chaim Vital says also, in the time of... of, of uh, um, in the days, <coughs> one of the main things, besides Shubha, is also prayer. We gotta go speak to God. You gotta pray to God. The, um, the Gemara Yivamot, page 63 says that disaster visits the world only because of the Jewish nation. And this is not because of arrogance. And the, the Ron writes in the Adosha Saran, Shishib, he brings down, he says sometimes even things that happen in faraway places, you know why they're happening? Because we need to wake up. And, you know, I have to present this very, you know, very carefully, because it's not like an arrogance aspect of it, like everything is about us, everything circles about us, but everything you can learn from. And if something is happening in crazy far away countries and lands, it's for us to, to wake up. And if we don't wake up, the, disease, the problem problems, closer and closer and closer until it hits home. So that's, this is how the ron explains it. The, um, you know, and even though we have to do tshuva, and we have to do this contemplation, unfortunately it explains the misilat yisharim. In, uh, the second chapter. And he says, uh, you know, unfortunately, if someone does a sin, people don't really feel so bad. You know, they sort of like, uh, you know, alright, whatever, feel bad, a little bad. They don't really go into it. And why is that? Because the evil inclination is a genius. He is so good at his job. He is so good. He doesn't give you the opportunity to feel bad. Why? Because he makes you so busy. He makes you so busy. And either with work or with that. And if you realize, if you think about it, in our stage in history, we have the most free time that ever existed in, in humanity. We have the most free time because, you know, generally how people work, you're working a full-time job, you're working nine to five. Uh, you're pulling in crazy hours, eight to six. You're a lawyer, you don't see your family for a few years, right? But other than that, you're working normal hours. Everybody has five, six hours a night before they go to sleep, during travel time, to, to contemplate. To, I'm not even talking about learning to a At least to just think about, think about what you did, think about, you know, but, Because we have so much time The Yitzhak says No, no, no This is going to be very bad Because if he has so much time He's going to think about All the bad that he did So I'm going to have to create things I'm going to have to do things That he cannot think about himself So what did the Satan Satan Bring into the world? Things We're always busy Everything You ever realize that? A person is always busy A person is always running away From one thing From one person And that's himself You know people are going there Non-stop with music they listen to the same music, you know, again and again, you know. And and I'm telling you, like I've, I, you know, when I have to take trains, I tell you, I dread going. When I have to get, I have to go to Manhattan and take a train. It's ridiculous. First of all, I could hear the music, and it's inside your ear, and I'm not even close to you, and I could hear. And I'm like, You're, it, it's not even words, you know. Like I can't even make out the words. The words don't. There's nothing. It's just like, la la la, 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 la You know, and with a beat to it. And this is what people listen to nonstop. Like, why don't you stop for a second? If you're learning to, ah, good, at least you're doing something there. But think about life. You ever think about life? No one thinks about life. You have, you know, this, this uh, little terrorist over here, a cell phone, right? It, it terrorizes because it takes over you completely. People, when they're in the bathroom, a, a man, right, 30 seconds in the bathroom, on the, on the phone. 30 seconds, what can, you know, because you, you, God forbid that you're going to not do something for 30 seconds, you have to, you have to, you know, constantly touch the phone, and, you know, it, it, it goes so, in, if you get a text, if people get, if people get, what happens, you know, it didn't happen over here, so don't look around, it didn't happen, but what happens if we have, you know, uh, you know, a big class, you have a bunch of people put their cell phones in there, and one cell phone vibrates, every single person, someone call me, someone text me, you know, it's like, you know, it's like an addict. You'd be like, who, who texted me? I have to text him back right now. You know, everything's instant. I have to get everything right back instant. There's some... Imagine. I, this is how a proof of how addicted you are to it. You get a vibration. Let's see how long you can hold yourself back from looking into that. You know? At a certain point in time, you get through a, a withdrawal symptoms. You know? You're like, I never to, I need I, it. I can't. So... You know, we get we get the, the satan gets us with with so much nonsense that we're not able to contemplate. We're not able to think about what we did. Maybe we need to do tshuva. Maybe we need to fix ourselves. You know, people go. You know, YouTube, for example. YouTube. Um, you go on YouTube. You're stuck on there for seven hours. Facebook, forget about it. You, you don't know. You don't know if you're alive. You're dead. Instagram. All these social media things. You do absolutely nothing for X amount of time, and that X amount of time usually is not two minutes. Just, just checking. You know, it's usually. You know, I don't know two to seven hours is, is generally where people spend on, on Facebook. How do I know this? Because um, there's something called Web Webhover Web haver is if is, for people, let's say, want to watch their eyes. Um, so they don't want, so what they do is, and this is a good, you know, why not? Send it out. People should really go. What you do is is that if you want to make sure that you don't go to sites on your phone or on your computer that you shouldn't go to, so there's a company called Web Hover that you have a Haver, which means you have a friend, or, you know, whoever it is that you choose, that every week, they send you all the sites that you went to. And so I have it for a few people. A few people send it to me, and I get the, their, um, their, their uh, you know, their stats of where they've been. And, you know, I go through it, and if there's something, you know, I'd be like, dude, you know, here it is, you know, time to straighten out. B'ol You know, it doesn't, it rarely happens. They're really good guys. So... But generally the good guys are the ones that do it. People have a the problem, be like, I don't know, I don't want to do it. Oh, I don't need it. <laughs> it's just like an addict, you know, like I could quit without rehab. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyways, so um, but I get also something really cool, neat that they came out with a neat feature that I get to see how much time they spend on apps. And even though these guys, you know, they're kosher, I don't want to tell you how much time is spent on YouTube, on Facebook, and all these things. You don't know how many hours and hours and hours a day is being wasted on these things. Now why? Because you're running away from yourself. Why can't you stop for a second and think about your day? You're supposed to make a, a cheshbon anafesh. supposed to think about everything that you did that day and think, you know, did I do something right? Did I do something wrong? Maybe I should have learned extra. Maybe I should have done a little bit more. So, the, the, um, the Chavetz Chaim would say that, you know, every day, this is the Chavetz Chaim, he would go in the side and he would count like a peddler counts his wares. Be like, okay, what did I do today? Did I do this right? Can I fix this? Maybe I could change over here. Just like, you know, you, you have a store. At the end of the store, at the end of the day, at the end of the store, at the end of the day, what do you do? You, che- you check your balances. How much did I sell? How much money did I make? How much profit did I make? You, you do your checks and balances. If you do that for your store, for your physical store, how come you don't do it for your spiritual store? How do you know what, you know, maybe you're in, you're in debt in the, in, the, in the spiritual aspect of things. Maybe you're not able to go and do tshuva. Okay. So the, I know we're running a little bit late We started a little bit late So it will be a few more minutes But if anybody needs to leave, league no, no hard feelings Okay, so now The idea with Shuvah Is also Everybody knows That they need to do Shuvah By the way I, Shuvah is not meant Only for people Who don't, don't keep Shuvah Shuvah is meant For every single one of us We all need to do, do Shuvah But the question is, is How many of us Do complete Shuvah we all know that Shuvah And Bezat Hashem at the end We'll go through really quickly How to do Shuvah. This Might as well You know On the topic um, But how many of us Can go up to the next world Saying you know what Complete Shuvah 100% It's not there anymore You know it's, it's very difficult It's very difficult to do that And it's constant work That you need to do And people sort of like Yeah whatever You know I, It's very unfortunate Because people Let's say for example People didn't keep Shabbat, Didn't keep kosher Didn't wash their eyes So they stopped it That's part of the Shuvah What happened to the Shuvah Of, of you know regretting it, you know, making sure that it's never going to happen again, staying far away from these things, there's different aspects of tshuva. How many of us can say that we are clean? We are completely clean of our past. The Gemara says, in Sanhedrin, it says something very interesting. It says that Mashiach is going to come either a generation that is Kulo zakai or Kulo which means that either it's gonna be in a generation, which is the entire generation is gonna be meritors, uh, meritors, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. gonna be good or bad, evil. And the question, I get this question very often. How is that possible? How is it possible that everybody's gonna be either good or everyone's gonna be bad? We know that there are, in every generation, there are 36 hidden righteous people that because of them the world stands. And by the way, if someone comes and tells you he's one of them, he's not. Uh, but I, I know two others. We have a WhatsApp group, you know. I'm the admin. Um, you know, so... I make sure everything's okay. This is one thing with the... With the WhatsApp group drives me crazy. With these, these people who decides that the, you know... Admin, you know... They ruin, run these things like Hitler. You know, everything's like Germany. No! No posting! No! What are you doing? You know... I don't know how I went to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, you know... Whatever. I guess Germany. Close. So, the... You know... I'm like you know, I'm like, dude, chill out. Nobody reads this chat. You know, people, everyone's like on 7,000 chats. People read one thing in like one chat once a week. That's how generally how it goes. And, but people take it very seriously. You know, this is my WhatsApp group. And, like, oh, and this is how it's going to be. And, oh, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so, um, so, so it's, it's very bad. It's also, by the way, we're in the same time. It's mine. It's arrogant. It's mine. It's all mine. But anyways, the, the, I digress. I need some therapy today. I apologize. It's been a very, very stressful a uh, few days. So, um, the, the Gemara says like this the says either it's going to be completely meritorious completely zakai or completely chayaf how is that possible how is that going to be we need Torah constantly in order to survive so let me give you two answers the Hashem Mool says that uh, it's going to be that the generation is going to go to two po- polar extremes which means either people are going to be completely righteous or completely wicked which means there's not going to be so much of a middle ground people are going to slowly drift into the polar opposites which means is it's not going to be like the whole generation is going to be either either righteous or wicked. But it's going to be people are going to spread. It's going to be groups of people that are either going to be completely righteous or completely wicked, unfortunately. But the Chedush makes sense as follows. It says... And this is the most beautiful aspect of, uh, you know, of it. He says, no, no, no. He says, what it, what it thinks is, it means that people are going to think they're completely righteous. And this is the greatest falling possible. And this is so true. You know how many people I speak to and I start telling them, you know, Shabbat, you know, every time, you know, if someone tells me you're not keeping Shabbat, that, I, that's all I'm talking about. Why would I talk about anything else? It's one of the most important things that you could do. So um, I was speak about Shabbat. They're like, no, don't worry about it. You know, me and God, we have an understanding. I'm like, you do not have an understanding with God. I guarantee you that. I'm like, what does that mean, what do you, we're buddies, you know, back in the hood, you know, we used to hang out you know, we did some stuff together. You know, what, do you, what does that mean, you have an understanding? It's very simple. There's no extra Torah that I'm not aware of, that if you're buddy-buddies with God, then you don't need to keep Shabbat. It doesn't work that way. You have to keep Shabbat. You have to keep the Torah. You have to keep the Mitzvot. It's not like, well, it's very difficult for me because I have a show and I, you know, and I smoke and this. I'm like, God didn't put it into the equation and be like, everybody has to keep Shabbat. Until there's a certain show that's going to come up. It's going to be very difficult. It's going to be so good. And, and smokers. Everybody else has to keep shabbat. Those people, you don't have. It was never, it was never a clause. It would be like, FYI, these people are okay. They don't have to. Um, so it, but the problem is that these people think they're okay. They think that they're fine. And unfortunately, many of us are in the same boat. Maybe it's not to that extreme that we we are at least bochusim. We're keeping Shabbat or whatever. We're keeping kosher. We're learning Torah. But how many of us think that you know we're fine? How many of us when we say like you know like there's going to be a you know twenty percent is going to survive in the end of days? Be like oh you know who do I feel bad for you know because you already think that you're going to make it. Like I really want to see them. Like well who makes you so sure that you're going to make it? Bochusim. We should all make it. But we have to actually think. Be like really let's let's hope that it's going to uh, you know that we're going to be there. You know there was a. there was a um, major Israeli newspaper that did an article on Evet Tisha B'Av. And the, it was in Tel Aviv, the bars, the clubs, everything was open. And the secular people, even, I mean, they come on, they know, they know it's Tisha B'Av. You know, come on, you, you, you stay away. Even if you don't keep it to the full extent, you're not drinking beer and having a good time to destruction of the temple. So the mayor and some Knesset members, they decided, no, everything's going to stay open and they should stay open. So they went over to them. And it says, what are you doing? It's Tisha b'av. I know you're not religious, but come on. This isn't. Secular people went over that. So, you know, one of the Knesset members went and it says, what's wrong? What's wrong with drinking beer and having a good conversation, a good time? So, I want to share with you two responses from two people, which I don't know if they're religious or not, but they're academics from, from the university. So, one of them, I don't know, was a, the name was not given. He was a prominent, oh, I know that about him. He was a prominent university dean. And he says, I live in Ramat Aviv. It's a secular area in uh, in Tel Aviv. And he says, and he's, I'm going to quote him: "I am embarrassed to have brothers such as these who distance themselves from the Jewish past." And it's really true. And this is even more. A professor, and this is he gives a name, Moti Kedal uh, of Bar Ilan University, says like this: says a few sh- few short words, but it's so true. He who has no past has no future. So true. Like well, you know, what are, you know? And, and we're we're going so far away from where we are, and we don't think we're doing anything wrong. We're having a good time, drinking beer. What's wrong with having a good conversation? Knesset member, all right. Anyways, so the um, you know, and this is when you think about you know people. Let's say um, I ask them all the time, you know, like uh, if you're going to have a TV in the home. One of the questions, you know, if I get bored, ask people. You know, good to dig into the personal things and get them uncomfortable a little bit. Um, so it's a joke. No, not really. Uh, anyways, so um, they, you know, so I say, you know, would you let your kids watch TV? You kidding me? God forbid you know like you know like what the disgusting things are shown on TV that's ridiculous what they show already so i'm like so how come you watch it i'm not I'm not, a pr- I'm not a prude or something along those lines i know you know like yeah it's bad i'm i'm different like oh okay you're good you know you're you're different you're you're able to handle all the impurity that gets uh, thrown thrown to you but for your children? No, no, no. I know. I know. For them, I'm not. You can be religious for your children. And then a uh, public school. People think, you know how how many times I, sc- I have to scream at people. I'm like, why are you, s- you going to... Not even kids yet. But but like the adults would be like, yeah, I'm going to send my kids to public school. Are you an idiot? Why? My favorite answer. Because it makes my blood rush. And this is where you know. And I already feel it. I already feel like, you know, the whole coming out. Yeah, and it's better education, Rabbi. Better education. Am I you know, Hunagi, oh, you know, got to think about, you know, got to make sure, we got to calm down over here. I'm like, better education, I speak to public school, school kids, and I speak to Yeshiva kids. Better education, uh, let, let me explain to you what goes on in public school. First of all, you got a high school. Now, I, I, you know, I have some kids that come to me and went to public school, and you know, I'm sure some of you, you know, went so you could attest to it. How many hours are public school kids learning high school kids? So I asked one, one, one particular kid, I'll oh, even tell you, Morrow, Morrow High School, Right? Yeshiva Marl, he calls it. <laughs> um, he goes, so he says, how many hours? So I'm like, you know, what's your schedule on your day? Maybe we could throw in some yeshiva. So he says, no, I have tons of homework, tons of homework. Always, always tons of homework. Seven hours of PlayStation, tons of homework. So um, so I said, what's your school schedule? It depends depends on the day. They give me a random day. What time do you end school? I'm like, three, four, what time? He's like, no. it's like, no, it depends on the day. So I'm like, well, you know, it's like sometimes 12. I'm like, you finish school at 12? You're 16, what do you do? And what time do you start? Oh, it depends when I set my classes. Ten o'clock I could do. I'm like, well, hold on a second. You're in class for two hours a day. Oh, some days, yeah. It depends how I piece this class. Some days maybe from nine to twelve and that. And I'm like, better education. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking. I speak to these people. I speak to public school kids. I speak to yeshiva kids. You're telling me that the same education. I had. You know. Um, you know. The, there's there's one kid. Let's give you pic, paint you a picture. One kid is learning about what does he learn in public? He's learning about art. This is how Picasso painted in this type of circles, right? And this is a, a great knowledge, great worldly information, right? In case you ever become an art dealer, then or maybe you'll decide to draw and doodle when the other boring classes, that's when it's going to come into effect. Meanwhile, what is a yeshiva student doing? First of all, a yeshiva doesn't, a student doesn't learn for two hours a day. When I was in high school, you know, I was in the yeshiva at 7.30, we got out at about 11. Do the math, how many hours a day. But let's say you're not going to that, that hectic, right? That, that was already at 12th grade. Let's say you're going a little bit, so you're there from 7.30 to about 6.30. You're learning over there. So you're learning for like nine and plus hours a day. Not art or you know, Japan's history or something like that. You're learning things that, are, that, that stimulate your cognitive abilities. You're learning complex Talmudic you know, studies where you have to sweat in order to understand. And a kid is a sponge. A kid, you know, when, they're, when you're using your brain, the more you use your brain, by the way, the, the, the better it becomes. And this is proven, I, I could tell you from, from, from experience. If I want to, let's say, memorize something, so in the beginning, if let's say you want to memorize a gemara, it's very. It takes you a long time. The uh, first time I did it, took me like four hours to memorize a page. It took you, but, but the more that you do it, and the more that you do it, you start becoming better at it, and you start going working. So the more that you use your brain, the faster the brain becomes. The better that a brain becomes, and the smarter that you will be. It's Probably a better education. Oh, you got to be kidding me! Like there is no way that there is a better education. Yeah, if you want to go to college, you want to go. To, I'm like, I have people in my class that've been to Yale and Harvard. How many people do you know in Yale and Harvard? Well, you know, doesn't mean it have to be covered. Oh, come on, shut you up. Know, you know you're wrong. So, also, you have one kid who's going to school. He's going to school with what? With a bunch of girls who forget to get dressed. And you want this kid who's a teenager to go and overcome his, you know, his emotional situation going on right now. He's going to be able to concentrate on studies. Meanwhile, you have a guy who's learning in purity, learning in Torah. He's going to be able to focus on his, on his studies. I probably shouldn't say this, but, uh, you know, at one school there's abortions at 15 years old. At the other school, there's not really so. And yeah, it's, it's ridiculous that it sounds. And, and 15 is being, you know, I could really go lower than that. And generally most people don't hear these things. Why? Because people don't get an abortion when they're nine months pregnant. But, so they try to keep it uh, on the down low. And unfortunately I've heard, you know, and from personal people that told me as well. So, um, it exists. Unfortunately. Anyways, let's finish up over here. The Rambam says like this, and he tshuva that the, that we like we said before. The only way the Jewish people are going to be redeemed is through tshuva. We have to do tshuva. And uh, there's a, a poll that conduct, to, conducted by the Haft Institute that said like this. That said, not that much longer. That said that um, that between 1985 and 1989 and 1995, 17 percent of the adult population of Israel became more religious. That was, by the way, before like the internet became big. That you're talking about 1989-1985. That represents a total of 515,000 people. Became more religious during that time. And as the time goes on, people are, you see now is even greater than that. For sure. Guaranteed it's more and more people are coming that. So, I want to share with you something. This, by the way, second most important thing that you should come for today. The Chesed L'Avram says like this. He says that all those who are... I'm going to read it word for word because I, can't, I don't want to make sure that I... This is how important it is. All those who are stubborn and do not repent will perish... But anybody who bears the yoke of repentance and accepts the troubles without complaint will be purified and become worthy. Which means is, is, you know, if you think you don't need to do chuba, you're in that group. That's not making it. Everybody of one of us needs to do chuba. Okay. Another, a very quick I want to touch on. So we spoke about a few things over here. Let's do a quick, a quick little recap before we end. We spoke about Torah. You have to do, you have to, you have to, you have to engross yourself in Torah. You have to go and get yourself in Gmilut Chasadim. Do a lot of chesed we spoke about um, getting rid of also baseless hatred, getting rid of the pride and the arrogance. Um, what else we speak about? We spoke about emunah. We spoke about doing things for the right reasons. We spoke about doing tshuva, one of the most important things. And now the other thing that we need to do is prayer, the, the importance of prayer. It's, we know that the first, the, when we went out of Egypt, one of the main things, what was the Jewish nation that cried out? In Shemot, chapter 2, verse 23, God heard our cries. The same way that we got out of Egypt through Christ, through our, through our prayers, that's how it's going to be at the end of days. And uh, the um, Rabbeinu Baha'i also, you know, it brings it down. It says, you know, when, you know there's two ways to, to pray. You could pray from, you know, like, God, please give me, uh, you know, Panasah, please give me a wife, please give me, like, uh, shopping. And then there's a, there's a real prayer. The, unfortunately when do people give those real prayers when, when they go through really unfortunate hard, hard, hard times in their lives when they go through the hard times in their lives then they get but you know what those prayers are worth I speak to the girls when I speak to the girls class I'm like girls have a secret power they, they, they could cry so easily I mean, uh, literally, like you know, nobody should even watch a Disney movie. But they, you know, you watch a Disney movie, girls are crying. They have tissues there because the panda beard didn't make it, you know, and they, you know it's so sad. Uh, I just can't, you know. And they just get into the whole emotional thing, and they're crying for that, right? They see a little, um, you know, I, I, they see a little video on how a baby is, is 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 brought out into the world, you know, like you know, in the how the you know the they're crying every two things they're crying not, not everybody again it's a generalized thing but they're very emotional beings I'm like use the tears for something don't waste them you know God forbid you go and you wasted your time and you you know you watch some sort of something and you're crying pause whatever you're watching run to the other room open up at the ilim you're already crying cry to God use those tears for something good and you should know that if anybody ever goes and you're never in a situation don't hold yourself back cry But open up at the Yilima and start praying. Start praying for you. Start praying for Kalalislav. Start praying for Mashiach. Those tears, those tears are so precious. Those tears can work magic. But yet, what do we waste our tears on, unfortunately? The notebook. You know? We waste it on, on, uh, you know, the the newest Disney thing. Because, uh, you know, the snowman couldn't uh, survive or whatever it is that's going on over here. You know? Even if you try to run away from these things, you, You can't. There's so much advertisement all over the thing. I don't know exactly what happened, but I know something about a snowman and and something about, you know, ice. And that's very bad, you know, because it's very emotional and, you know, you really get into it. You know, I'm like, come on. Get into the real world. If you're already using your get you got yourself to cry in tears. By the way, this is not to be like, okay, you know what? Let me watch something to get me into tears. Then I'm going to go, before prayers, let me go and watch something that's going to make me very terrible. Don't waste your time. You know, but if you already wasted your time, you're already there, or you're already in an emotional state, Use those tears for something. This is how we got redeemed. As Zara says, as Avizal says, one of the main things uh Chaim Vital brings down is prayer. Is is prayer? It's so important. So the I think that should be abundantly clear. Now, uh, for the last minute, I just want to touch on on how to do Chuba, which is really important. We're going to go through it really quickly uh, because we spoke about this before. Even though I think this is one of the topics that maybe we'll do another class on it because coming a little... I, I think every year you need yeah. to learn how to do tshuva again because it's, it's something that you need really need to um, bring yourself up. But we're going to go according to the which is four ways to do uh, that you're supposed to do tshuva. Not four ways, four steps. Number one is that you should regret it. This is an important thing. You cannot say, I did Shuvah. Won't be like, hey, remember that night? Oh yeah. oh yeah, high five. Good times, good times, good days. That's not regretting it. Regretting be like, no, don't talk to me about that. I'm so st- I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's regret. Number two is obviously abandon. Turn away, get, remove from that sin. Don't do that sin anymore. You have a gambling problem or you're a Jew, stay away from Atlantic City. Both those aspects. Okay? Number three, you should confess it, right? And we spoke about this before. You don't have to announce to everybody. Hey, guys, um, I'd like to just say, you know, I did a terrible sin last night. You don't have to announce to everybody. You, between you and God. Announce it to, to God. And number four, finally, is obviously do not repeat the sin. Do not do that sin again. Those are the four aspects that you should go, and you should go and 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 try to, um, you know, do chuva, cleanse yourself, so that you won't, uh, you know, fall into that uh, same aspect again. Um, and finally is the real finally. I think we did finally too many times today. Uh, but the real finally, I want to go through like two, three things that, that prevent you from doing Shabbat. And we're not going to explain it because we don't have time, but it's a notable mention, honorable mention. So uh, number one is that if somebody continues doing a sin, it's going to be more difficult for you to stop doing it. The more that you get involved in the sin, the harder it is to get out. So even, no matter small or large, if you're, just leave. Stop it, cold turkey as, as fast as you can. Number two, is that if someone says, you know, when I get older, I'll, I'll do repent. And Rambam is now the, the Torah says like this: somebody who says I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go and sin, and I'll repent later. They're not going to allow him to repent. It's going to be very difficult for that person to repent. Number three, this is very important: is somebody who causes many people to sin. For women, this is modesty. If a woman is not modest, she causes many men, many men to sin. Men, their minds are, our minds are very twisted. We don't work like a woman. A woman wants to get pretty dressed pretty whatever nice why whatever I feel good about myself, self-esteem, whatever reason that they're going to they're going to say which I cannot or you know can or cannot deny it because I'm not a woman and I don't know. But they give but for a man, if a man sees a woman that's not modestly dressed, it brings ideas to that person's mind. And if this person is not a kosher person and he doesn't guard his eyes, so one thing leads to the next and everything else that comes out of that because of her. It's, it's, it's her responsibility. If a woman, by the way, is dressed modestly, and she's, you know, perverts, you know, are looking at her, and because of that they sin, she's not held responsible. As long as she did what she's supposed to do. But if she doesn't, then you're causing so many people to sin. Also, people that, uh, like to go and share out disgusting videos to everybody. Yo, oh, check this out, it's hilarious. You know, and there's like, you know, whatever, it's immodesty. Like, you know, keep that to yourself. You shouldn't look at it yourself, but if you look at yourself, you're digging yourself your own grave, why are you gonna drag other people in, in it as well? The next one is somebody who laughs at the words of the chachamim. Ah, come on, the rabbis—they don't know what they're talking about. This and that, yada, yada, yada. Terrible thing, because eventually you're never going to listen to them. You're never going to do chubai. You're never, never going to change it. Um, I think we'll stop. Uh, we'll stop over here. But the the idea is 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 this really is one of the most not one it's the most important class for Mashiach these are things that we need to do these are things that practically need to be done and by the way it's not only for right before Mashiach even though we're right now, this is for everyday life these are things that we need to go and we need to work on ourselves so I think it's important that if, if you guys don't mind we'll just go really uh, quickly through the topics again to so just make sure that we remember what we're doing so because I know we went through a lot of information and I'm sure, like, the complaints I, I get constantly is that I speak too fast, and again, to everybody out there that I speak too fast, I am sorry. You know, I apologize. I try. I I, I don't try so hard, but I try. Um, there's so much information. I only have X amount of time to speak. We have to get it, you know, and besides that, you get excited. You know, you're learning to You know, it's hard. It's hard to, to slow down. You get, you know, you get pumped up. And you start speaking a little bit faster, um, but it's funny because the opposite end, people start also tell me they like it because they can't space out, because if you space out, you miss like 17 pages, you know, so you gotta you keep it with it. So, but I'll tell you like this, for the people that, that say that I listen too fast, any, I've never had that complaint from people that are live in the shield. Usually, um, uh, usually it comes from people that are listening online and one of the reasons is that if you're, usually because people when they l- listening to a class online, they're doing other things. You know, so they are, you know, you know, they're browsing the web, they're shopping, I don't know, they're cleaning the house. So, if it's difficult for you and I speak too fast, Try this. Try focusing on the class. I guarantee, with a ninety-nine percent guarantee or money-back guarantee, yeah, um, that you will be able to understand the class. Because if you're able to focus, you're able to, to keep up. Unless English is your second language, which is to me. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyways, so, um, but that is, uh, yeah, that's. The, I had to put that out there for for the for the you know for the fast talking. I get that constantly. My number one complaint. You gotta slow down. I can't. You know, you so much information, so quick, so short a time. I'm sorry, and thank you for the, and you are welcome, and uh, for the, at the same time. But um, a, I try. What? It's a New York accent. It's a New yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah, New York. Everything is fast. We got we mm-hmm. go, we work fast over here. though? Yeah, they could. I had somebody who was very important since they told me that they're able to um, play it on slower speed. Oh yeah. So they go, they go like on a, on a slightly slower speed. I do not know. That's pretty cool. So I guess uh, people could do that. And then i speak like this. Yeah. All right. So, um, but anyways, um, so let's do a, a quick recap because we are over our time. So the um, we spoke about th- these are the things that we need to work on. We all need to work on this. Every single one of us, even uh, the biggest sadiq that we are all are listening here and presenting this information also. The presenter also needs to work on every single one of these things. We said Torah. We have to increase in our learning of Torah. It's not enough to sit and learn. You can say once a week, twice a week, every single day you need to learn Torah. If you're not learning every single day, you are falling behind. It is a must and it is a requirement. You need to learn Torah. Number two is chesed. You got to increase your kindness. Help other people. And what greater way to help is, is helping somebody else to uh, learn Torah. Send them a class. Bring it. By the way, you should know. The way that it works in Kiruf. How to bring people to classes is only one way. It's not like, you know, you post, you know, an ad and be like, you know, so somebody will be like, listen, you know, uh, it's a rerun of my shows. I'm not interested. Let me, I'll go. It, that doesn't work usually. 99% of the people, though, the way they come to classes, they get invited by somebody else. You get invited to be like, or you bring somebody else. That's how you get. And then eventually they find to so interesting, so amazing, so fascinating. They're just going to come again by themselves. You know, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a bait and a, you know, just, it's just a bait. <laughs> come in for the one class. Let's try it out. You know, you come and they stick to it because it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's so, it's so, it's so un- unbelievable, incredible that they'll start coming. So the way that you get people to come to class, the way that you get people to learn towa is invite them, let them come to class, or send them into lecture. Said this is a good one, listen to it. That is the ultimate chesed. Obviously, chesed gives charity, gives kindness. Okay, we spoke about I'm doing it by heart, so I might miss a, a thing or two. We spoke about also doing things uh, in order. emunah. We have to worry, work on emunah. Fundamental, you, it's a muscle you gotta work on. You gotta work on your emunah. At the end of the day, it's very, very important emunah. Also, we worked about doing things for the right reasons. Doing things for the right reasons and not for the wrong. But if you're doing things for the wrong reasons, keep on doing it. Because hopefully eventually you'll do it for the, for the right reasons. Then we spoke about also baseless hatred. You have to stay, you know, you gotta start loving your Jews. you Jews. gotta start loving it. Every Jew is your brother or your sister. You have to love them like your family. And uh, also, we spoke about tshuva extremely important every single one of us has to do tshuva we have to do tshuva in all aspects in our life and by the way chuvah works it's not all or nothing do as much chuvah as you can every little bit helps every little bit counts and then we spoke about also prayer it is a fundamental and a requirement that we need to pray when you pray you want to make a prayer count make it and feel it Feel it inside. Get connected. Speak to God on your own personal thing. God, I need this. Please, can I have this? Thank you for this. Get emotional. Get whatever it is that you need to get. Get close to God. That's how you're going to get it through Torah. Did we miss anything? Did we get everything over there? I think we got uh, more or less around a thing. Anybody else? Just re- re- um, you know, reviewed the entire class. And uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Any questions? No questions. Hazaku Baruch. May we able to see Moshiach in B'Amenu. And may we be the ones that are making it. And also everybody else. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com